Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here today with a great episode with head coach at Archbishop Muller High School, Tim Held. Coach Held, is, this is his 25th year at Muller, 14th season as the head coach at Muller, um, where they've taken seven trips to the Final Four in the state of Ohio. They're four-time Ohio State champion, 2009, 2012, 2013, 2015. Eight-time Conference Coach of the Year, four-time City Coach of the Year. In 2015 and 17, he was the perfect game All-American assistant coach for the East team. He's had 12 players drafted off his team, dozens of players going to college. 2010 State Coach of the Year. I mean, the resume is impressive. Uh, for a coach at Archbishop Moeller with the rich, rich tradition of Archbishop Moeller. And for those people that don't know, Archbishop Moeller's where Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, went to high school. So, um, but you'll never know if a coach held, extremely humble, and a, a, a man um, very fortunate to get to know the cousin of Tom Held, Defiance High School, who I had on the show a couple podcast uh, episodes ago, and I got to know Tim, and uh, she's an incredible teacher, and knows how to run a, a very solid program, and when we get to hear that all throughout this, and we cover a ton of different things, from the technology that he's getting into his program, to the culture and the standards of them trying to make good people at Muller High School. So, enjoy, enjoy this. I know I really did, and we had a great conversation. I get to talk to Coach Coach Held every ABCA, uh, so it's unfortunate that we get to see each other this year at the ABCA Coaches Convention. So, really glad we were able to do this. We sat on many hotel rooms till late in the morning, talking baseball, and today was nothing different. It was like we just sat there yesterday. So can't thank him enough, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation with us. And um, as he just dives into his program, you get a really uh, in-depth look about what they do at Moeller and and uh, the great program, the great coach, the great man that Tim Hill is. So without further ado, here he is, head coach, Archbishop Moeller, Tim Hill. Well, you know, when I started there um... – you know, I didn't know what I was getting into. Like I was, you know, from a this little town called Bryan, Ohio. Um, I ventured out a little bit after high school, went to Ohio Wesleyan University in Delaware. That's right outside Columbus yeah. for a year and a half. Um, and then uh, figured I was buried on the depth chart. So at Christmas, my sophomore year, I was like, mom, dad, I'm coming home. And they're, what are you going to do? I was like, I've already filled all the paperwork out and everything. Came back and went to Defiance College which is 25 minutes from Brian, mm-hmm. um, finished my career there. Um, and when I finished uh, playing, finished my student teaching and, uh, you know, started looking for jobs, like I'm interviewing all over the place. And, and, and finally a friend of a friend of my cousin was like, I, I'm leaving Moeller high school in Cincinnati. I got, I'm going to coach basketball. You need to call this guy. And this guy was the assistant principal and the basketball coach. So I go and interview there, you know, I'm walking around Moeller and people are like, this is like where, you know, they're like Bobby Brandon, 
it was the hot name right then playing at University of Cincinnati. He had just graduated a couple years before. And I was like, okay, Bob, you know, Bobby Brandon, like acting like I knew the college basketball scene. So I go in the gym and they're like, this is the gym. And I mean, the gym was like held maybe a thousand people and like the floor was all slippery and hadn't been refinished in 20 years. I'm thinking, this is Moeller High School. So I get hired there and then, then start really hearing the stories about Jerry Faust and the and all the football tradition. Like I didn't know any of that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. very quickly, you know, after an interview or so I knew it was where Griffey and Larkin were at, you know, started mm-hmm. piecing the baseball together with Buddy Bell, but did not know all the names and the people that had gone through there. So kind of, you know, awe inspiring. And I was 23 years old and I tell people like, when they gave me a classroom I just kind of hid in there like I didn't want them to know where I was because I don't want to screw anything up you know yeah. if they didn't see me maybe they wouldn't put me to work or wonder where that guy's supposed to be so um first few years just kind of hit out tried to <laughs> see how everything worked but um the place is incredible and great people and you know people have been there 40 45 years um you know been awesome yeah I mean 25 years in man like so 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 of course now you know you're not the one hiding. That's for sure. Everybody knows who Tim Held is. That's for sure. Um, so how have things really changed for you? Like, especially culture wise, you know, from when you started for where you are now? Um, you know, I coached basketball, like I got in because of the basketball coach. So I yeah. played high school basketball and that was it and coached like some seventh grade basketball. Um, so got in because of that. So, um, went and talked to the baseball coach, you know, Mike Cameron had been there at that point had been there. I don't know 20 years, 25 years himself, um, coached Griffey, coached Larkin, coached Buddy Bell, Billy Long, all these just major leaguers. And uh, the rules then were you could only have two coaches on the freshman, two on the JV, two on the varsity. And he's like, I'm full. I don't have any spots for you. So I'm coaching basketball, but it's kind of staying in contact with him. Um, and then in, in January, he's like, hey, you still interested in baseball? I'm like, Yeah. So we go and talk and the coach left in January. And so that first year I got hired. So I did three years with the freshman uh, as an assistant coach um, and then still coaching basketball, you know, and, you know, not even really dating anybody or anything like it was, it was school. And then I'd go to basketball practice, see what the baseball team's doing or the other way around. And I get home like at seven thirty, eight o'clock. My, my roommates thought I was the greatest roommate because I was never there. I paid my rent. <laughs> So they didn't have to deal with me. Um, and then I found out like a, a JV coach was leaving. And so I like, I busted out of practice one day, basketball practice. I went and found coach Cameron. And I was like, Hey, I heard the JV assistants leave and I'd like to move up. He's like, I, I don't know if that's going to work. We got to see if it's going to work with your basketball schedule. And I was like, well, coach, I quit basketball then. And he was like, Whoa, you don't need to do that. So we got it worked out with bas- basketball and uh, JV baseball. I went and did that. I was a JV assistant for two years. So um, kind of still figuring out how I'm not even, you know, I'm 27, 28 years old now. And then um, they had relaxed the rules a little bit on how many coaches there could be. And uh, two varsity assistants left. And so me and the J- head JV coach went up to the varsity. Mm. Um, and so then I was six years as an assistant for coach Cameron, uh, before he retired. So he was there 39 years, won 760 games, um, you know, just a a legend in Ohio. And so getting to learn under him, but also those first five years getting, getting to learn under, uh, Carl Kramer, our basketball coach, who's still there, you know, and 
I think in the last five years, he's only lost like 10 games, hmm. you know, um, in basketball. So but just figuring out, you know, watching their culture and how they cultivated things um, was incredible. And then to get that job, you know, I'd never been a head coach at any level. Um, and then to get the head coaching job was, you know, I, I told him I knew what I was doing, but I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> We're all like that. That's what we all say. When we first get a job, you're being yeah. young, you're just trying to get your first gig. <laughs> You know it all. <laughs> right. I got this. I know what's going on. Yeah. No, that's great, man. Just just an incredible incredible tradition there at Molar, man. Incredible. You know, so like thinking about it's a big step, man, taking over for like a guy like that, Coach Cameron, you know, how how and you and you've you know, looking back on it now, you can say, but I'm sure those those are pretty some nerve wracking first years. Right. I mean, my my wife was pregnant with our second son. Um when I get that job, you know, and what one month into school, um, she has that baby. So I'm trying to teach my classes. I'm trying to put together what I want for the baseball program. And, and we've got one that's up, you know, all night plus a three-year-old. So that first year was absolutely crazy. Um, but you know, like one of the things coach Cameron taught me was like, you know, even though he's what was, you know, whatever early sixties, I mean, that guy, when he would go to the clinic, he was the guy that sat in the front row always taking notes, never assumed that he knew everything about the game. Um, and I think, you know, he was a teacher and I think my, him being a teacher, myself being a teacher, like we're always trying like, what's next, what's going to make things better. What's going to make my practice better. What's going to make my players better. Um, so I think I learned that from him and, and that's what I continue to do. So when I took over for him, there were so many things that I wanted to do with the program that I didn't even know who, like who I was taking over for. You know, oh, okay. um, so I was just, I was so lost in all of it that I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know how deep I was in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were things I wanted to bring in from technology and, mm-hmm. you know, try, you know, new equipment that I'd seen at the clinics and all those things. So, um, you know, started to bring some of those pieces in and, and then all of a sudden the season starts and, and, and the roster I inherited in, in for 2008, my first year was incredible. Like, you know, I had a guy going to Ohio State and a guy going to Marshall and uh, a guy going to pitch at Harvard. You know, like I, hmm. I had I had I had dudes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all yeah. of a sudden uh, we're two and three mm-hmm. in our first five games. And so I was like, uh, <laughs> we got to adjust some things. Uh, I had a dad send me an email like with probably 50 different things like we should you, you, here's what I've seen on the field or not seen on the field. Coach, you might want to work on these things. Mm-hmm. And my response was simply talk to your son about our practice plans because we've worked on all those things. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at with our team. Um, and then we, we heated up and we ended up going to the final four that first year in 2008. Mm. Um, and we're like 25 and five or 25 and seven after starting out two and three. Um, so just needed that coming together. And, and it's mm. always happened at Mulder. Like we don't have a field uh, on campus. Uh, we practiced in this activity center. So when we got outside and played our first scrimmage, first games, that was our first time outside. Mm-hmm. We were pretty always, you know, uh, slow starters. Right. Um, so that's what happened. Same thing happened in 2009 as well. And we ended up winning a state championship, but we started out two and three, you know, and people asking the kids, what's wrong? What's going on? Just be patient, be patient. Yeah. So always interesting. 
Yeah, it takes a while when you can't. Yeah, your first game is the first time you get on the field. It it takes a while. Imagine playing, <laughs> imagine playing basketball the first time you actually got in your gym the first game. Right. Like it's not even fathomable, you know? Right. Just yeah, just shoot at this basket. And then we're gonna like maybe kind of practice just the big guys and then just the primer guys, and then we're gonna throw you all together. Yeah, you go, go yeah. play your game. Go figure it out. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure, you play, I'm sure you play great. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Gosh, yeah, I love North baseball, you know. <laughs> Yeah, but oh man, just uh, so from then on, it was just so like you you, get, you brought in some more technology, so you continue to do these kind of things. Like uh, you, you kind of continue to bring in maybe technology, or uh, you're looking at uh, newer things that you've done. What are some things that you've brought in that you think it really made really made a big impact? I tried to. I mean, um, you know, I started to get into the video, and somebody oh, brought yeah. in like it was before before RightView Pro, and then. And then I go and invest all this money in RightView Pro. And then the next year, like iPads, you know, went, got ridiculously low priced to where nobody bought that equipment because you could just film it on your phone. That video got good enough for the iPad. So it was doing video because, you know, before it was, you know, film it and, you know, you had the mini cassette tapes had to go kind of try and figure out how to splice that out or find that guy. Um, so we didn't do much of that. So it started with the filming and then um, in 2014, because we don't have a field and I'm not like setting aside a certain amount of money for new surface or seed or anything, you know, I got to spend, you know, the, the money that we fundraised on like toys. Mm-hmm. And so 2014, I'm talking to these guys at the clinic and uh, the hit tracks guys. And they're like, we're not in any high schools. And I'm like, well, throw, you know, throw a price out. So come back, look at my budget, look what I got, do a little bit extra fundraising. And they sell me hit tracks for like a low price because mm. they just needed to get units out there. Yeah. You know, so we've had that since 2014. And again, wow. we're, you know, we're training inside, you know, so much. So, you know, I look, I still look today at balls we hit in the cage and, I'm like, oh, we'd totally call that a ball. And it's a base hit between the first and second baseman. You know, so there's no more arguing about that stuff. They're seeing kids are getting that, um, seeing what they think is real ball flight and seeing real results. Um, So I had that piece was huge. Um, And then just trying, you know, recently trying to get into blasts and Rapsodo and all those pieces. I love how you said like hit tracks is just actually the, you get the real ball flight, you know, like that you see what actually happened. Cause I know it's always like a, you always hear on Twitter and things like that, but listen, the argument of like that ball hits up straight up in the, at the right. top. I'm sure that's really changed kind of your communication maybe, or just the way that you got to approach like in the cage. Right. So, you know, at first, yeah, keep everything off the top of the net and then yeah. it was what we were all taught growing up. And then yeah. you see, hit tracks comes in and the guy hits one a, a screamer off the back of the net and everybody's like yes that was great and it's like lined out to the pitcher you know <laughs> you know or it got over the pitcher's head but it's a three hopper that the shortstop fields like it's not it's not good enough like you right. do need to hit the top of the net but you know and we've put the lines up so if we don't turn hit tracks on a day or if they're hitting off the tee they know what line they need to be under trying to kind of pick that 15 degree marker um but hit tracks has really shown them like yeah if i can put the ball here it's a hit you know 75 percent of the time um it's tough that hit tracks has hurt us a little bit as far as as kids kind of in that sophomore year junior yeah. year they get stronger 
They just want to go up there and try to hit balls out. So my guys haven't figured out, but I put them all in as college guys. Put oh, their, and then, then it's a little tough. The fields are bigger. Yeah. Um, fielders are better. So if they yeah. listen to this, they'll figure this out. But <laughs> yeah. but if not, they they don't know that I, I've got them in as college level. That's smart. See, always always get an edge, coach. It's <laughs> oh, awesome. it took me like five years to figure that out. <laughs> No, man, I, I love that. I love that. Especially though, so for most people, they're not talking about when you're talking about the lines, you're talking about so you probably have a zero degree line. Oh, uh, not zero, I guess you could say. What, 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 I guess you have three? No, all I put in was a, a line on the top of the net. Okay. It's going to be like, give them a 15 degree line. Okay. So I didn't put the lines. Like I've seen the guys that put it on the sides of the yeah. cage. So you just have the so one they, like at the top. Yeah, one at the top. So, you know, it's down, whatever. I'm a math teacher. So I was like, okay, we're going to do, we're calling this cage trig. And yeah. so we had to do the tees about two feet high. And so how far out we needed to be uh, with the height of our cages. So, you know, trying to teach them that and where they're supposed to be. And, uh, you know, trying to get them to repeat that swing, especially the younger guys. So that, I guess that was my question too. So that's how you bring in a freshman who not very strong, not very physical. Is he still trying to hit that same line? Are you going to tell him a little bit differently? Or is it at least just like a starting point where you can say, if you can if you can hit it like this exit velocity, or if you can hit it this hard, then we're going to be here. Um, I'll usually give them that target to hit at. Okay. So in the two cages, I have the lines and another cage, you know, that's, there's a screen that's protecting a machine. So I'm like, you're trying to go right above that bar, you know, um, trying to give them that external cue. Um, and then I, I know I've told the freshman a few times, it's how many, you know, remember that. Um, usually more with the freshman, I'm trying to tell them like, hey, if the coach tells you you're hitting 10 balls off the tee, perfect tee, you know, whatever, mid, thigh, high, you're catching it off the front of the plate. You're trying to put seven of 10, you know, in the same spot. If you can't, then then you can't control that barrel. You know, and so trying to get them to come and watch the juniors and seniors who can hit seven out of 10 to that same location. They can repeat that swing and control the barrel. Um, and then, you know, we try to do the inside outside with the same thing. And none of the young kids can take the outside pitch and hit it the other way. It still ends up being a, a ground ball at the pitcher or at the shortstop, mm -hmm. but trying to get them to figure that out and, and how we twist things in the cage. Um, so that they know they have a focus when they get in there or should have a focus when they get in there. So you mostly like to do that just off the tee. That's off the tee. Um, kind of like a warm up. Yeah. Um, so I call it 10, 10, 10. Mm -hmm. Like I do 10 middle, 10 inside, 10 outside. Um, and we'll have them turn like they'll physically turn their body so that they have to still hit the ball down the long part of the cage. So yeah. So they can see the flight of it so and see the, the in the angle, or, sure. Yeah, instead of saying inside and they hit the ball right into the side of the net. Yeah. Um, so we'll get them to turn. And some of them, that's really interesting, watching them sit there and think and talk to their partner of how they need to turn the plate and their body and where they need to stand. Like, it's Absolutely. Find, find it's a hitting lesson in itself. Right. And so uh, we do that. And then to challenge the older kids, I tell them um, that when they're doing their 10-10-10, they can't hit more than – two balls in the same lane at the same height or depth. So the partner has to be raising, lowering the T. Like if they're in the outside lane, he's got to be raising and lowering that T, moving it forward, moving it back. 
So they're always trying to get that barrel awareness of can they square up a ball? Cause you're not going to catch every outside pitch, you know, in the same spot. Oh, sure. No, the adjust, even the adjustability is what's cool too, right. you know? And uh, so will you even go like outside, they have to go inside with your 10, 10 and 10, like just kind of switching up lanes too. Right. Well, they're going to do like 10, 10 middle and I don't care what order they go in, but 10, yeah. 10, 10, 10 middle, then 10 yeah. in and 10 out. And so if I want to throw another drill into it, I might call it six, six, six that day because mm-hmm. I want them to do something else on the tee while they're all doing it at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, but then, but then back to where you said, then when we're hitting flips or whatever, they're still shooting for under that line. Mm-hmm. And then hit tracks lets you like pull up a report. You know, I can go in there and see all oh, this kid hit 40 balls today. You know, I can do a session review and see, you know, I can then sort it by like launch angle mm-hmm. and nearly every time, you know, you just look from about 10 degrees to 20 degrees, you know, eight degrees to 22 degrees, they're batting 850, mm-hmm. no matter how hard they hit the ball. Mm-hmm. So to open their eyes, like, oh, if I keep that ball at the line, you know, um, I, I got a great chance of a hit. Mm-hmm. Mm. And really, no matter how like strong the kid is, it's really just a matter of just trying to be between eight and 15 is what you're really yep. looking for. Cause yep. actually like uh, think around 20 degrees, if you hit the ball, even like 60 miles an hour, it's like enough to get over the middle infielders. Yeah. Head. That's like a blooper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for, so like a fresh, some freshman that's smoking one. You yeah. Know, so they better, they better hit it at that line. <laughs> it's a freshman bomb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, that's good. That's good. I just love the external cues though, too. You know, like you're not telling nobody much stuff, but it's like, and then you can see, will that actually do like hard hit balls too? Or I guess hard hit balls are really just like their exit velocity, right? Yeah. So, um, hit tracks calls it a hard hit average. Okay. And so it takes it, it always on the screen is your six month high distance and exit velo. Mm-hmm. And so when you hit a ball, the, the exit velo will light up green if you're within 10% of your hardest hit ball. Oh, okay. So you're always getting that. So you could tell, like you make up a thousand games. Like I'll tell them you got to go opposite field. I'm going to flip to the outer half. You need to go opposite field. And the manager today, he's going to keep track of how many you hit in green, mm-hmm. you know, or I'll tell them, Hey, today's flips uh, or whatever BP, you hit two balls over 25 degrees, your rounds over. Mm-hmm. No matter if that's the first two or can you get through the whole round? Yeah, it's such. It's so nice to do that. So, I mean, and then you can do that. You can do that with the ropes too. You know, put you hit two in front of the rope, rounds over. Mm-hmm. You know, no, so good. just trying to get always thinking of things to try and get them competing and challenging themselves instead of just taking mindless swings. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, the proof was in the pudding. Like, and you you pull your chart, and now they're hitting so much, and right. they can see that it's 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 there. And I, that's why I think that such of the the new school or technology is like, look, we're just, it just kind of taking the guesswork out of it. We're kind of taking just the eyes out of it. You know, like we're like, and a lot of times people need to say like, why? Like that's a lot of times the difference. I don't know about you, but I mean, I've heard a lot of guys coach someone like just start, you got to start with why and tell guys, here's why we're doing it. And it's almost like you're been showing them. Right. right. Uh, the biggest thing like with COVID is I dove all into um, Eugene Bleeker and his 108 performance guys. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably the only good thing that's come out of COVID is, uh, you know, I got to read that book and take all his courses and do his mentorship program. And so coming back this fall, 
in Ohio, we're allowed to work with six guys at a time, okay. kind of like a college individuals. Mm -hmm. So the rest of the guys can be in the weight room or, you know, with the strength coach doing running or something, but I can pull six hitters and we can go up to the cages and work. And so to be able to go through all of his pieces and, and throw the water bags at him or all his different drills at him, but to what you said, like being able to tell the kids, like, this is what you should feel, you know, um, this is why we're doing this. Like it has really helped them, you know, explaining that piece up front, you know, then letting them take three swings, you know, or whatever and saying, what did you feel? And found a lot of drills with different guys that, that they can't do it, whether it's a movement issue with them or, or just, they're not, they can't, you know, they need to do it a few times uh, before they get the feel of it. Um, but it's really helped them as to what we're working on each day. Now I can say the name of the drill uh, and they know what part they're working on, whether it's lower half, keeping the front side in or whatever it is. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Great stuff with Eugene. So like, it's funny, like, and I, I get kind of this too, like depending on like kind of where you were kind of at, like, do you feel yourself like kind of just staying in like the Eugene Bleeker mode or in, or in, and losing maybe some things that you used to do or, uh, are you, are you trying to blend all that together? Um, I always like struggled with trying to teach a kid like mechanics. Yeah. Me talk about that stuff when I haven't seen them play outside, mm -hmm. you know? So in summer here, like everybody goes and two kids are on this club team and three mm -hmm. are on that one and one's over there and heck one's not even playing in state, you know, he's constantly on the road. So to, to talk mechanical things, like we would talk about kind of generalities. And I think like the bleaker stuff's really helped then just talk movement and where should your body be at certain points and trying to kind of have this minimal, minimalist piece to create that maximum velocity. So I, it's helped me with that part because I would usually stay pretty quiet with the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And then now blending it now that we're after Christmas here, starting to blend it with what I want to do approach wise that I think helps our guys with the competition that we face. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of what he's saying, it's the old school and the, the new school. Yeah. You got to blend them, man. Absolutely. You got to, and it's because it's really about what's now, what's happening now. I like guys that like say like, I'm part of the now school, like what can we do? And then bring in like, you know, you have an expertise and, but you know, and we're telling the guys to do these kind of things. I think it's just good leadership of, um, you know, like you said, blending what we have and then what we're continuing to learn. Right. Right. So it's, it's going well and we'll continue to kind of get away from, uh, you know, all the mechanical things. We have some drills that we think really work great for them. So we can say um, with our setup, you know, as we're doing more live stuff or more machine stuff, like, Hey, we need you to do these three drills. You know, and as, as I get better with blast and my coaches get better with it, we're trying to kind of put the guys in groups. And so we mm -hmm. know who needs work on early connection, who needs, and then kind of I'll type it up on paper and kind of throw it at their feet and say, Hey, when you get to this station, this T spot, you, you can work on your early, these guys need work on early connection. Here's three drills you could do here. You pick, you know, you, you need help rotational acceleration. All right, here's three drills. You, you pick what you want to do. Um, so trying to give the older guys that ownership um, of, of what's going to help. And then they're asking, will you, will you, can we do blast again? Can we test? I think I got better. And that's when I feel like, okay, I got gotcha. you. 
That's you right. Know, like you, you want to know that things are getting better, then, then we're all heading in the right direction. I guess one of my questions, things right now is like, man, I'm sure maybe your brain is turning to this and um, seeing a correlation between the blast and your hit tracks data. Like if there's any going to be any correlation between what you're seeing with, with guys based on their blast numbers. Yeah. I mean, um, it's interesting because like, I think like um, the, you know, obviously the high bat speed guys will, you know, have higher exit velos, but, you know, I have a couple guys that are going 95 plus exit velos. And I can't say when I look at their blast numbers, I couldn't pick them out. Mm-hmm. Say that's why they're the 95 plus, you know, so that's kind of where I'm, I'm heading now is trying to figure that answer out. So mm-hmm. it, about six weeks ago, I was talking to a couple of my coaches and I was like, look, this data, like we're getting this, you know, we got hit tracks, you know, you can dig into a thousand reports. We don't even scratch the surface there. We got blast, you know, trying to do that with three sensors. The pitching coaches are running Rapsodo. Mm. Don't even get me started with that. I don't even know like, <laughs> how to log in. I'm like, are you right. guys all that? And, and so um, they're like, well, can we hire somebody? I'm like, well, yeah, we'll always take volunteers. Yeah. So I, I put, uh, like a job description together and said, uh, we're looking for a director of analytics and video. Yeah. And probably had 15 or 18 people. No way. Contact me. Yes. I was like, I was like, okay, if we get three and yeah, get somebody like 15, 15, 18 people. Wow. To volunteer. Yes. It's incredible. That's yeah. awesome. So we're just kind of getting that off the ground kind of this week. Um, getting this guy, a young guy that's, uh, uh, played in college and he's done some work. He's worked with the Reds and the Astros a little bit. Um, and it's what he wants to do with his career. So, um, you know, we're helping him. He's helping us, mm-hmm. um, but trying to use him to not coach at practice, but right. what do you want us to collect? What video do you want us to collect? What blast, what, what can we do with hit tracks? Which guys do we really need to look at? Um, and all that. So, it's it's going to be pretty exciting and take some of that stuff off my plate. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Honestly, like one of my next things was like thinking, like just asking, like part of your like your routine after practice and stuff when you're pulling all these numbers, because it's such purposeful practices. What's awesome about it, like it's so purposeful and deliberate. But like, how like how did you manage it? You know, I know you're a numbers guys, so you love them, but like, what was like your? I mean, before you had this guy, like. You've, Cause you've had it since 2014 with, with hit tracks right. and everything else. Like what was your kind of your routine that you would do to collect uh, it and analyze early it? Early on, it was just that getting that feedback of where we were hitting the ball and who, you know, who our strongest were and playing some of the games inside there. Cause you, you can play an actual game if you make lineup. So when you get to this early season and the pitchers are throwing, like you can run it at bat and, you know, and have your orders and kids are running all around your cages because all of a sudden the inning flips over and you're ready. But, um, but digging into that, like, no, it's overwhelming. I didn't do, yeah. I didn't do 10% of what was all inside there because you can look at hot zones and all those things. Um, so I'm getting, getting better at that. Um, but we use it more to make sure that practice, um, they had an intent when they got in there, mm-hmm. you know, like, I wanted to make sure, and and they wanted to see their numbers pop. So they got in there. They were taking real swings. You didn't have a guy going through the motions. He's a 92 top exit velo for the last six months. If he's hitting at 75, 
you know, that's right. Like, Johnny, let's go like turn it up or, you know, go to the, get out of here. So never. And, and I've never had to say that to a kid because they know when they get in that hit tracks cage, okay, it's time to, it's time to show off right now. Let's yeah. see if I can, how close I can get to matching my numbers. Um, with blast. I mean, I, I, it's kind of what drove me to put this, to get this position. Yeah. I mean, I, I only felt like I could do blast like once a month mm-hmm. um, because of what it takes during practice. Cause we're working with three sensors so trying to have three sensors, three devices collecting that data right there, and then to go home at night and then pull put, it, pull it all out and put it in a spreadsheet. Yep. Um, and match it up with where they're at and are they progressing? And so I was like, we're not even. It's not even worth what I'm paying for these sensors. Right. So you need somebody to look at it more. And I and I love all that stuff. But then I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I just added this. And then I'm looking at the JV coaches or the freshman go- coaches going, I want you to do blast. They're like, coach, I don't, where, where do I put it on the bat? You know, where do I, how do I set up the iPads? You right. Know, so I gotta, I gotta teach all that. So then I'm like, yes, we really need this spot to help this guy. This guy's going to help coach the coaches. Yes. Yeah. So should really make the whole program better as well. Oh, for sure. What a valuable, extremely valuable position, especially if like, like you're such a data driven guy. So valuable. It's going to be, and I'm sure you'll be able to, Give them a great, oh man, that'll be really valuable for you guys. I mean, it just, like I said, I think it just comes back to you, like purposeful practice, and you're just going to give some really purposeful stuff out right. of that, man. It's incredible. And then I'm sure your brain is be like, all right, well, I want to correlate this to this to see if this is really, if this is, you know, is rotational acceleration important? You know, is early connect, like, is this, is, which of these is really important that we can then really focus on? Right. No, yeah, it's crazy. And that's, I mean, I, right when I start thinking about that stuff is usually when I just fall asleep at night. So it never gets done. Rabbit holes, man. Rabbit holes. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbit holes. But, oh man. And so you have an indoor facility. So you, you, you have a pretty decent indoor facility that I'm assuming that you can run all these things through. Yeah. So, I mean, we got, we got really lucky. So Jerry Faust coached at Muller high school before he was hired directly to Notre Dame as their head coach. So about two years before he left, they built what we call the activity center. So it's just a giant pole barn. Um, one side of it is probably like 110 by 110 big square, but it's just painted asphalt. So mm. You can throw down there. You can't hit down there or anything, but you can throw down there. You could run an infield down there. And again, until we got turf, football field, and soccer field out back, like that's where we took all our ground balls until mm-hmm. we were on a field. So we were really good at skippers. Yeah, and, then, you were. and then there's a second level that was a wrestling room. And it was a wrestling room until like March. And then we could pull the cages out. And so, um, there, like right around 2000, that big tech boom, a guy donated all this money to build a new wrestling room and weight room. And so that guy, I still got to go to the wrestling coach. I'm like, I need that guy's name because his donation to the wrestling program was the greatest thing for Molar baseball because it got them out of that second level to where when we put our cages out, fixed it all up, they're up all year. Yeah. So we have four cages up there. They're about all about 65 feet long, um, but we can hit year round, run camps, do all that. Um, so it's just, like I said, that's where we're at because we don't have a field. So mm-hmm. we're supposed to be getting a field here in about nine, 10 months. 
um, have our have our own place to play. Mm-hmm. And you said all turf too, right? All turf. Yep. Yep. Just a couple miles from Moeller. So uh, it's going to be incredible. So like all this stuff, I've all these notes I have from all these clinics about great indoor practices. Like I got to change things up now. That's the worst thing about the, all the clinics being like virtual or canceled. Like I need some outdoor practice plants because we might do it four times a year when I go rent a field. So I got to come up with some new BP games and change the whole thing's getting, getting blown up here. So four state championships, eight time coach to the, like, and you, you run in four outdoor practices a year. Yeah. Jeez, you peeps. Like we used to get made fun of, well, we still get made fun of like the other coach will be like, Hey, I'm putting you on the clock for your pregame infield. And so it used to be like, well, this is the only time we're outside. Like we're going to take the longest infield ever because we need to, we need this practice on on grass field. I mean, even now, like uh, our outdoor part of our practice, we're on campus on a soccer field. So everything, a turf soccer field. So every hop is perfect. Right. You know, so, you know, early on, I'm trying to get some scrimmages, trying to balance, like, do I try and rent University of Cincinnati? So we'll get this scrimmage in and can play but I also want to go and scrimmage at this place or even at our home, current home field. Cause I want to be on grass and dirt because mm-hmm. the kids need to see those hops in March and April. Sure. I sure they do. So, oh, man. Yes. I remember when, uh, 2004, we won a state championship with coach Cameron and, uh, somebody was like, coach, tell me about, you know, your practices. It's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, just, just how you set them up outdoors and stuff. He goes, we only practice outside four times. It's like we practice on asphalt. He goes, I take that back four and a half times. We went to the grade school next door to practice because it was really nice outside, but their third grade girls softball team came out. So we had to get off the field. So we didn't <laughs> even get to finish there, you know. The so, championship team, Moeller. Yeah. And kicked out by a bunch of third graders. <laughs> yeah, third grade girls. Oh, like, my. Get off our field. They're pink helmets and everything. We're out of there. So, oh, man. That's, that's just even even more impressive. Even more impressive. Oh, one thing. I was just like, you you said the word water bags earlier with Bleeker because yeah. I got myself a water bag just this offseason as well. I had a guy, um, Jeff Sherman from Marcus High School yeah, in Texas. Yeah. He did a thing with Willie Marshall from yeah. 108. And uh, who they're going to be future future guys I'm going to have on the podcast as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, super guy. But, like, these water bags are amazing. Like, like let's talk a little bit about – how are you using them and uh, what, what do you like about them? How are you using them? The best thing I like about the water bag, you're talking about the, like the, like the, the big, long one. Yeah. The long one you put water yeah. into, you hold it, you know, it's basically as long yeah. as I'm, um, uh, I don't know, I guess it's, it's a little bit wider. Than about three shoulders. feet or so. The yeah. best thing about those is they're made to put half water in. So they're really easy to fill up. Have you put water in a physio ball lately? Oh no. That's like, a, it's a good hour, hour and a half of your life. <laughs> which means I'm probably doing it wrong, but we've made a couple of those as well. Okay. Uh, and those take a, you better have some time to sit there and let that water trickle into that bag oh, but, man. Uh, with the water bags um, just for balance. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll do something as simple as uh, getting, getting them in their stance. And, you know, like one of the things from 108 was, you know, they, they want you to lay in like you're riding a horse, you know, or a sumo wrestler. So I'll put the bat, their bat, like right in front of their front foot. So they have to stride over that, mm-hmm. but put that water bag on their back. So they feel that rotation and you get the guy the first time he takes off and that thing sloshes back and he's catching himself. 
Um, so just right now showing themselves, whoa, I'm way out of balance. Yeah. And I'm trying to load and I'm trying to hit a ball, maybe throw 90 miles an hour at me. Like uh, real simple that way. Yeah. Um, uh, the one I want to try and the one I do more with like the physio, the water filled physio ball is just trying to get across their body, but stopping that front side. Um, so they'll feel the slosh of the ball and they have to control that and really brace their core mm-hmm. um, is a good one. Um, I actually have done that with like, I've had them scoop it. So like, just like, like had the big water, but then just like scooped it and then they turned and they just stopped. So like okay. that kind of, I guess kind of the same, yeah. same thing of what you're looking at. Uh, that was, I just thought about it. My son was here working on it. Just, just like throw it and stop it. Cause like, he was just like way over here you know yeah. and so that was interesting I, I use that but man i i also because uh, you said the word balance too you know and then uh is i i was explaining this to another buddy of mine who uh he owned an extra innings and he loved the balance board you know like remember the old like everybody just hit on a balance board and uh-huh. like a, like a two by six and you hit yeah, on it yeah. i'm like the water bag does that it's almost like you got to create balance you got to make sure you have a good first good move yep. But then it's the stability of it, you know. Then it's on top of the not necessarily just the balance board, and now you got to grab the ground, you got to stabilize yourself yep. to make sure you're really grabbing. And I, that's what I, it's almost like it's the balance board plus more. Like you just right. have to fully grab and stabilize it. Like it's it is a really neat concept, man. And it's really uh, I think can develop some really cool feels. And I like how you can do it both ways. Do you uh, you have your guys do it like right and left handed? I haven't had them go left-handed because usually it's kind of like almost like in the weight room when they're supersetting something. So they're in, they're like a group of four. Um, so what, what I've found is like, when we go to our open hitting, they want to just keep going to the machine and the flips. Yeah. So I'm like, Hey, when you go in here, you, you're going to stay in this cage for 15 minutes. So get your five guys. And in here, you need to do flips. And then when you're out, when it's not your turn, like you need to do water bag loads. Mm-hmm. That You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So they got two or three things they're trying to do in each spot. Because if not, I'll look up and there's 10 guys waiting in line for a machine. Sure. And being a math guy, I'm like, you're so inefficient right now because nobody's swinging at those three stations over there. Mm-hmm. You'd rather stand in line. So I hate that. Trying to do, so so we use it that way. Um, okay. The one I saw, I was rewatching like Willie's stuff this weekend and uh, a kid had it on his back and yeah. he had somebody f- like flipping a tennis ball or wiffle ball to him. Yeah. And he was acting like he was trying to get the, the end of the bag, me yeah. doing it right-handed, trying to hit it with that. Didn't mm-hmm. happen every time because he didn't have a, a longer element there. Yeah. But um, trying to, f- it really, I think, got like that side bend in there and everything. Yeah of where he needed to get on plane with that pitch, but also holding that water and keeping that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. This the so. stability. Yeah. Like you said, grab yeah. it hold of the ground and make sure you have that. Oh, it's, it's yeah. really interesting. And I love the blending now too. Like, so um, to like in the cage, you must do something like, let's say you do get really out. Okay. Grab the water bag once let's go ahead and do this. Get mm-hmm. your feel right. Then grab the bat back or like grab a med ball. You know, I've just been like, and that's another some 108 stuff. And I've, really i've really uh i just think there's a lot of stuff that unlocks yes during that stuff man i've been really impressed with that like that uh, old school versus new school book you're talking about that book right yep yep yeah one of the most most incredible baseball books to read yeah no, it made it made so much sense and 
you know, like I said, being able to apply those things and then going up there and trying to, you know, like watching the kids hit now and being like, oh, he, he naturally kicks back. Yeah. You know, and this guy, oh, he doesn't, but you try to get him to do it and he can't because he's so, he doesn't get into that front side to let that backside kick back. He's still spinning on that back leg and just trying to get him to feel those things and over-exaggerate it and see who can move that way. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's been, been awesome. Yeah, even just to say, like, even we're classifying people as movers, you know, right. like, oh, you can move like this, you can move like this. And even a guy like who I've been trying to try give more power in his swings, just trying different ways he moves his feet. Like, just put your feet like clo- closed stands, like Mike Schmidt used to do back in the day. Like, he was a closed stand student, just ripped, you yeah. know? And all of a sudden, he's got four or five miles an hour on his exit velocity yeah. just by, I didn't tell him anything, just try your left foot in front of yeah. you because oh, that, you're, yeah. he's such a loose mover. All we did was take some of the take some of the slack out, and whoosh, all of a sudden we're putting the head right on it, and just yeah. I just I never would have thought anything like that. It would have been something about I don't know what, but I just feel like there's it was a sacrilegious to tell them to close off that much. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's what. Yeah, we did the same thing. Go close forty five, close fifteen, and regular, and we'd have their partner, you know, with hit tracks back there going, okay, they're going to take three three of each at close forty five, fifteen, and regular which ones did they hit the ball hardest? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it was either in close 45 or close 15 were higher exit velos than their regular swing. Mm-hmm. Now what happened the next time they hit, they went back to their regular stance, yep. you know, like, Hey, do we remember last time? Like close that down a little bit. And then finally, like week three, one, one kid got in the cage and, and he was closed down. And my mm-hmm. coaches were like, you see him. He's, he's figured it out. Like that's where he hits it further. He's not going to wait for us to tell him mm-hmm. he's going right to that. Yep. Yep. I'm out working with the kid last night and all of a sudden, Oh, he said, Oh, that right foot. Like, yeah. Like, don't you forget? Like we already like, right. I mean, I was the radar gun even just said you hit it five miles an hour harder, right. you know, like, and your bat speed didn't go down. Like it's, right. we're good. Like what else you, your power numbers are the blast. Like I just gave him just a simple power number. Like okay. you can just tell, like your power number was just significantly, like almost jumped a whole point. Like that's a significant jump. Right. Like that's significant, right. you know? And so, uh, and that's what I love about it too. Like you said, you kind of gave it to him earlier. Like, here's the line. Here's what the data says. You're batting 850 every time you hit this. Right. What What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> right. Right. Well, why are we having this conversation about you turning and wanting to hit the ball a home run? You know, and as I start, like when I look at hit tracks, I see the older guys doing that. I'm like, hey, there's no wind there. It's 72 on the computer. Like it's not Ohio in March. Oh, yeah. A ball's not going to fly. Like you hit it that far in the air, you better hit it 98 or 99 miles an hour. Because if not, left fielder takes three steps back, catches the ball. Mm hmm. So, mm hmm. With you, man. Oh, dude, this has been great. This has been awesome. Yeah, on the same page, same page for sure. Um, dude, so, I mean, so, man, all your practices are inside. Um, you know, you're looking forward to a, a field next year. So what are some of the what are some of the great things that you do inside? You know, like this think of practice planning, because, you know, a lot of guys that are probably listening to this too, like they're Northeast guys. Um, you know, what are some of the great things that you do inside to kind of be creative and get the most out of your guys? Because I know you guys say you start off slow, but I mean, you guys definitely finish strong. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'd rather have that way. Rather <laughs> that's right. um, I think like one of the, the uh, great things that we evolved into is, you know, 
when we had our cages up there and we would be like, okay, you go from this T station to this T station, you know, there'd be four T stations in one cage, you know? So if you were a guy that started, you know, and then a couple machines and maybe a coach throwing BP, if you started like over on that BP stuff, you could just watch their whole demeanor. Just I'm going into the T cage. I got four straight stations of hitting off the T. So that's where, you know, where, wherever we found it, of doing that 10, 10, 10 T warmup yeah. where, where they all go in and we'll put two T's in the cage and kind of put them both in the middle. So they're both hitting back to the other ends. Yeah. And then that way you can have like two guys on a T, you know, or three guys and you can get a whole lot of swings in and then they're kind of done with their T work. Okay. Might mix in one more thing, but then like, okay, you guys did, that took 15, 20 minutes. You got your T work in. We got loose. We had a focus of what our angles were going for. Are we grooving that swing? And then, okay, for the rest of practice, whatever, we have 45 minutes left, 50 minutes left. Like we're getting after it with machines and maybe it's live BP, coach BP, uh, or, or, or we're going to do flips over on the side to really try and stay away from the T's to keep that energy up and that competition up. Um, it's really worked well for us. Some days I go back and I'm like, okay, we got the old snake down this row, down this row. That's how we're doing it today. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like I need to change like our hitting up each day. Um, so they don't feel like it's the same thing. Sure. You know, or like how I said, go in this cage, you're in here for 15 minutes and you need to get all this done. And I'll just yell, rotate, go to the next one, spend mm -hmm. 15 minutes in each cage. Um, do it that way. And then really in 2008, when we got the turf soccer field out back, really, really changed things for us. Um, Cause like I said, we were playing on a hundred foot inside asphalt infield. Mm -hmm. Now our shortstop could really play at a regular depth, okay. you know, inside our second baseman was always playing in the doorway to the bathroom, you know, mm -hmm. so that angle could be a little tough if he was bouncing off the door jam to go backhand a ball and his face is rubbing off the wall. So right. now we had freedom to move. Um, and, and probably the biggest thing that we've added, like our, our base running, um, I just believe in being so aggressive and pushing the envelope with everything. You know, now I'll come back to school and we'll have teachers that come to a lot of our games and they're like, you got thrown out three times stealing last night, you know, or that guy got thrown out going first to third. What was he thinking? And I was like, yeah, that's what you saw. That's the bad stuff. I go, but you know, that guy that hit the double in the fourth inning, that's because my top base dealer was on first base and the catcher kept calling fastballs because he wanted to have a chance to throw them out. Mm -hmm. And so didn't even have to steal the bag, but the dude got five fastballs in a row and, and hits the double in the gap. Like, mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, that's where I, I believe that that running game and forcing that issue is tough on the defense and it's tough on the catcher, tough on the pitcher. Um, so it really, really pressures that defense. So I, I love running, love, you know, I have a green light for almost all my guys. Um, I, I might in a year, we might steal, we probably average stealing 100 to 110 bases a year Jeez. in 25 games. And I might give the steal sign 25 times. Mm. So, so how do you, how do you determine if a guy gets a green light or not? What's your system? Like, what's your system? How do you do that? Oh, we're just taking those times from the catcher and the pitcher. Okay. And then in practice, you know, multiple times, we'll kind of get them out to their 12, 13 foot lead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, usually I'm the pitcher on the mound 
so that I can vary up my stops and it's not a normal rhythm. And somebody, a coach has them on a clock that from when I lift my foot, how long it takes them to, and I don't even have them slide into second base, yeah. run straight through second base. Just to get their steel start. Just to get their times, keep doing it as they get more comfortable as we get into the season. Um, and then the coach at first base is constantly telling them, here's the numbers. You know, we've had the catcher at 2-0. Hey, if I, you know, I know the catcher's 2-0. And then we don't make our guys do math over there. That'd be too <laughs> much. So the first base coach, he's doing the math for them. Like, hey, this inning, this guy's a, the combo's a 3-5. Three six on the curveball. That was a three four three five. So some of those guys know, like they get over there. If they hear three four three five, they're gone. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. Yeah, get that so I was I was wondering. So like, I guess you don't you don't get to work on that too much in a live scenario, do you? Correct. So it's all strictly just. I mean, so you will get a chance to actually just to work on that. Well, you just do that in the turf field there. Right. We're doing it out back. Like I said, I'm usually the pitcher. Yeah. Um, sometimes we put our pitchers on the mound if they're working on their pick moves. Um, and, and that's why like uh, those scrimmages, why I'll make sure I rent University of Cincinnati. I'll find some coaches that I know have it in their budget to help pay that fee because we need to get those scrimmages in because they need yeah. to see that stuff in action. Yeah, there's just the timing of it, you know, the fluidity right. of base running and things like that. Have you looked uh, – have you uh, – you know, just kind of knowing who you are, and like I said, your first throw the cl- clinics, and have you looked into like the new school system of base running? You know, like with getting more of a, a volt lead and things yeah, like that. Yeah, with Calarico. Yeah, uh, I just don't feel like we have enough time to teach yeah. that. Um, we're probably a little bit in that system when we're on second base. Yeah. Um, to try because I I don't my guys who try and steal with no momentum off second base are usually always out. Yeah. Um, but the ones who I can get to have that momentum, but I don't have them like doing that vault lead mm-hmm. um, because we do generate a lot of pickoff throws back to second base because guys know we're going to run mm-hmm. be aggressive. So we just need to do that. So I, I think when we get our field and we can, you know, play a fall ball series and yeah. we can, we're allowed to coach 10 days in the summer between uh, in June and July, where it's full on coaching. So to be able to go out there and put the machine on the mound and, you know, whatever, steal bases and talk about those things. It's just, I think that's really going to help our development, especially our young guys. Well, for sure. For sure. I mean, given you, for, for what you've done without a field is pretty incredible. I mean, I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, yes. You know, that's, it's pretty incredible. So, I mean, what do you think? So, thing, go ahead, man. I was just say the biggest thing was like, finally going to my freshman JV coaches and going, and, and for most of this, most of my career, my, my JV coach has been Mike Cameron that I took over the job for. Really? He took like one or two years off and he's come back to coach. Oh, that's so awesome. He's like, this is the greatest. You got to do all that administrative BS stuff. He's like, I can just show up and run practice. Like, this is the greatest job ever. But like going to him and, and my freshman coach and saying, Hey, I need you to start putting some of this base stealing stuff in. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I was like, you need to figure out who you can give the green light to. They're like, green light? You know, like, oh, we don't want to do that. So trying to push them, like, it's okay, and, like, give them yeah. ownership. But but also, if you yell at the first guy that gets thrown out. Oh, yeah, that's the big thing. No one's running. That's it. No one's running more. So you, you got to know guys are going to get thrown out. 
create the environment for sure. Yeah. You know, like that's why I thought it was funny. Like so this summer I did with Mike and I, I didn't have a steel sign. I said, everyone's going to have it. So they don't even have a steel sign. I'm going to tell you, no, you're not going to steal. Right. Or like, you know, eventually we had a verbal, I'm like, for right, for start, we don't have a steel sign. So everyone, if you see something, you're going to go. Yeah. And if you get thrown out, you're just going to make sure we have a conversation and just say, right. what'd you see? What was the, what was it like? I'm not going to go crazy on you, but you better make sure that you can verbalize to me what you saw and for the reason why you went. Right. You know, but like, that was an interesting thing. You know, I was dealing with 18, 19 year old kids. Um, you know, but I think just the the mentality, I think base running is such a more mentality that to unlock and say, I don't have a steel sign. Right. Why? Because oh, yeah. look at the picture, like look what the game sure. is giving you to just take a base here, take a base there, go to first and third here. You know, it, and that's funny. Like I, it was, I think about that now is like, it did, you know, you don't have first and third sign, but it just allowed people to like be more aggressive on that first or third turn. Right. That's what I mean. I can't wait till there's a field so we can watch balls get hit and go, why would you not even think about going first to third like that? You got to know that that outfielder, when he takes 10 steps, you know, even three steps away from third base, he can't turn and make that throw. That, mm-hmm. You know, that's automatic. Um, I think the funniest thing when guys are like, it's so ingrained in these kids' heads that you cannot steal third base or it's so hard to steal third base. And I'll tell them, like, when we go out to first scrimmage. I'm like, if you, if you're on second base leading off and that catcher's given one sign, if you don't steal the second time he gives curveball, you know, we have a major conversation. Absolutely. There's one time I, I mean, we're losing. It's like the sixth inning. We're down like three and um, we shouldn't be running, you know, like catcher's really good. Pitcher's good. Like, you know, it's like, we got to put together a rally here. And all of a sudden my like six foot five first baseman who, who was fairly fast, but he just comes sliding into third. I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is not the right time. He's like, coach, one sign, second base, you know, or a curveball, you know? I was like, then, okay, he's thrown three in this at bat. Like, why are you just getting here now? <laughs> My bad, coach. My bad. Make sure. You know, but like, I, I can't tell that they're giving one sign. You can't. Right. As soon as you know, you better get over here. Yeah. And so – that's what makes it fun. I mean, they go back to the dugout and they're telling the rest of the guys, like he's given one sign or I figured out the sequence and mm-hmm. da, 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 and, 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 and that's, that's when, you know, like, okay, we're gonna be really good. Yep. Well, especially even like, I mean, I think stealing third is the easiest thing to do. I mean, then stealing second, I mean, it's just, it's just cause you're at such a better feel. Everything's in front of you. Yeah. You can see signs, um, you know, certain people, they're going to go certain places on the, on the plate, whether, you know, fastball's coming or curveball's coming, um, let alone what the guys that God on the mound does, you know, he's going right. to tip, tip his stuff anyways, but. That's, I mean, it's changed a little bit because guys know that we are so aggressive. So it's been a little bit tougher in recent years. Um, yeah. You know, and just, you know, just all those, I love the base running part and all those little things like teaching them about dirt ball reads. And if you're trying to go to second base, well, if the ball bounces off the catcher and goes this way, he, he's got no chance when the ball's mm-hmm. going towards third to throw you out. And then you see the light bulb go off that, no, yeah, you'd have to turn all the way around and make that throw. Yeah. You know, just all how, do you, how do you like to work on that? Like what do we like doing practice to get them in that situation to work on it? Usually I'll take like a bucket of tennis balls out and throw, put the catcher in his gear. I mean, I guess with tennis balls, he doesn't need to. And, you know, throw, put, him, put a guy at each base. Yeah. And so just – 
throwing fastballs and then throwing balls in the dirt, trying to throw some curveballs without blowing my elbow up with, you know, <laughs> that they, that they're starting to get just more reps of seeing an actual ball be thrown from the mound. Um, right. To read angles. Right. What do you do? Anything to help? Um, well, one thing to, to when I started, cause I definitely do that. Um, and I like all the, all the bases too, cause it's just different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing when I started is I'll put also a, I'll just put, instead of the catchers, I'll just put a screen on the plate, like okay. a screen right on the plate. So if it hits the screen, like in the air, not doing anything, but if it hits before it, then that, that we should have everyone going. And again, everybody's at three bases. Yeah. I find just start it like that. That way I'm not wearing out the catchers or you know, just so everybody can kind of see it. And it kind of is a nice visual. Everybody can hopefully seek. And I typically try to put like the, the big, you know, the one you put behind second base the yeah, screen, oh yeah, yeah. or the first base screen. And so you can really see it and, you know, hits it in the yeah. air, stay, gets in front, go. Um, so that's, that's one thing, but in uh, so yeah, same, same kind of thing. I just, uh, then I put myself or put a pitcher on the mound and skip them or don't strike with the catcher. Yeah. there. Right. Yeah. When you get the catcher in there, I like that, you know, and then especially if the catching coach is there to, so he can prep his guys, but then that's where I like being, I'll talk to those guys. Like, look, when it hits this guy and it goes bouncing away, you're on second and that ball yeah. goes bouncing towards the first base dugout. Like that's automatic. Like you don't even have to think about that. Yeah. Like, think about how far away he's going. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. It's so, almost like, yeah. Like, what you're teaching is like if he has got to get up to move to retrieve the ball, that's got a lot of that's where we're looking at. Yeah. Cause that's what the that's really the, the screen doesn't do well. Like when we first do it, yeah. you know, like you don't get to see that angle. Then yeah. if you have an actual guy out there, then he's got to get to his knees and then retrieve it, you get to see that. Right. And getting your really fast guys to know, like if you if I see the catcher drop to his knees, I don't even have to know where it goes. Yeah. You know, now the, then they're medium and your slow guys. Like I got to know which way coach has got to yell, you know, yeah. so slow, but the fast guys, like he's going to his knees, get running. That's, That's right. See Don angle and rocket. And, rock and, and usually roll. like um, guys on second, you know, I, I, I won't base hits the outfield, send them all, you know, unless it's a line drive, one hopper at a guy. And then there's been some times where it's been, he's come around third and the guy's already throwing the ball home. And I was like, well, this guy's out by 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And ball skips the catcher, goes over his head. You know, looks like a looks like a great decision. But again, <laughs> I prep the guys. I'm like, if you're on second base, especially with two outs, I am not stopping you. Yeah. So if you don't want to be embarrassed at the plate, get going. And I said, and sometimes you're gonna get thrown out. So the other teams will be pumped up, throwing, getting thrown out at home plate. But hey, you know what? Next inning, gonna do the same thing. That's right. So. Don't, don't be all, you know, upset. We're going. That's how we play. Yeah, man. Oh, very cool. So, got to talk some base running, man. Absolutely. So, I'm just thinking about this kind of um, – just maybe finish things up. Maybe the last half last half of the conversation here, the last end, is thinking about, you know, the culture side, the mental side, you know, the big mo. You know, that's, that's, that's something to say in Ohio, you know. Uh, even just talking to a, a guy that I'm helping out uh, with us elite and said, hey, I'm going to talk to coach hell from Archbishop Muller. Like, Archbishop Muller, like Archbishop Muller. I'm like, yeah. And so <laughs> like, you know, there has to be something to that. You know, you've talked about your young kids coming in and, and what you're doing there. So like, how are you creating that? Um, there's, I'm sure you probably have standards in your program. Um, what it, what it means to be part of your program. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, learning, like I said, learn from Coach Kramer in basketball, Coach Cameron in, in baseball, like, you know, Coach Cameron or Coach Kramer in basketball, you know, he's got four team principles. And Coach Cameron, you know, had like 30 rules. And so, you know, kind of going playing off those two as I was learning, you know, what I wanted my style to be, you know, and be like, why do you got four things? And, you know, you, you got 30 rules. And, and one of the coaches like, hey, more rules you got more rule breakers you got so you want to kind of keep that simpler you know Mm -hmm. to the do the right thing be your best because that gives you that that ability as a head coach to make it work for each player Mm -hmm. you got 30 30 rules that's a lot of things to keep track of and guys are like well he didn't he didn't care about this one so does he care about all of them Mm -hmm. so I've kind of gone, you know, I, I don't, I've always worked on what, what our four pillars are and everything. And, and I always feel like I'm stealing from people. So mm-hmm. I've never put my own on paper. So, you know, just constantly with the coaches that a lot, most of my coaches are out of house coaches. Like I've had a couple in that just trying to make good people and just trying to always talk to them about making those good decisions. You know, are, are you, um, there's always a video I show them Dak Prescott sitting on the bench, starting quarterback for the Cowboys, goes to throw his Gatorade cup away that's two feet away, and he misses. And he looks at it on the ground, and he gets up and he goes and gets it. It's mm-hmm. during the game. I mean, in the NFL game, he missed the trash can, he gets up and he goes and gets it. Like, that's the kind of guy we want, that he, he knows what's supposed to happen in every situation, and, and, he, and he executes that, whether that's in class, you know, acting the way he's supposed to act in class, turning his stuff in, getting his grades, how he walks the halls, how he interacts with his teachers. I think what happens because we're always talking to them about those situations and we have a lot of guys that that want to follow that and want to play for us, that guys who don't follow that fall into that end up out of the program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're not getting stuff done in class, you know, have I had guys that don't have very good grades and were great baseball players? Yes, but they, they weren't good practice players. They were just so extremely talented. They could get away with some things. Um, but if you, if you want to do things right for Molar baseball, that, that starts the moment you get up mm-hmm. you know, and what you eat and are you getting to school on time? Like I said, all the things in the classroom, are you dressed right for practice? Do you have all your practice gear? Just constantly holding them to that line in, in not a tiresome way. Um, but just holding them accountable. And then we, at the end of the day, at the end of the, when we pick our teams, we have the right guys there. So I definitely could do a better job with, you know, getting our older guys um, mixed in with our younger guys. But like currently um, our tryouts are in about four weeks. Um, Currently I've like 105 guys that say they're either trying out for one of our three teams. Wow. You know, and 45 of those are freshmen trying out for the freshman team, but it's a lot of guys. So, sure. you know, so to, to always have my thumb on it and, and, you know, mixing the right junior seniors with the freshmen, you know, appropriately where somebody's not going to get hurt, but, you know, um, I need to do a better job with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. 105. That's another thing to dive into there. So like, so you don't really, with having the three teams, not and also you will only really have in the indoor place i guess you, so will you actually just some guys will be outside like on that soccer field and then some guys will be back in the indoor 
and you kind of split things up like that. Yeah, it's crazy. It takes my coaches like three years to figure out what yeah. my schedule is. Um, Big time logistics. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. with with that those six man groups that we can do. So so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, they all work out together with the strength coach from three to four. And um, the freshmen don't go to the same weight room time. We don't have room for them. Okay. From four to five, everybody goes to the weight room and the freshmen do their throwing program and can go home. So during that six man, during that, those two hours on Monday and Friday, the varsity is pulling guys on Mondays and the JV is pulling guys on Fridays to do their six man hitting or pitching, whatever it is. So the cages are in use that day. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is kind of our open hitting. Varsity gets Tuesdays, freshmen get Wednesdays, and, and the JVs get Thursdays. So every day from 3 to 5, 3 to 5.30, there is hitting going on in our cages. And Monday, Wednesday, Friday, there's strength and speed and strength going on with the strength coach. Hmm. So, yeah, there's people all over. Do yeah. people slip through the cracks? Yeah, but we, we'll find them. You know, mm-hmm. I've got about 10 coaches on staff, you know, or helping with different pieces and keeping track of the throwing program, go out, check on the guys in the weight room. So, you know, between all of us, we find out who, you know, who's likes to stand behind the post and talk and goes to the drinking fountain 35 times in an hour. <laughs> you know, uh, we do enough that that, 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 that cream's going to rise to the top. Sure. Sure. I was wondering, um, doing you talk about your strength stuff, you know, is that just really just the off season or will you do any of that during the season as well? Um, our schedule, we're on a, an alternating block schedule. So like the kids go to four 90 minute classes on what we call an A day and they go to three 90 minute classes on, on the B day. And so we have like an extra 90 minutes then on that B day. And that's where they, they have a longer homeroom that takes 30 minutes of that. So it kind of leaves an extra hour. And so if there's assemblies or meetings, those always happen on that. So of those 90 B days that we have during the school year, probably about 45 of them are what we call a regular B day, where my juniors and seniors are out of school a little bit after one o'clock if they're in good academic standing. Right. So they go to the weight room, they can get their lifting and then mm-hmm. um, get some extra work in. So that's really helpful to us during the season sure. uh, of getting those guys in. It really falls off with the the sophomores and we haven't even been able because of the COVID rules and everything and the size of our weight room, we haven't even gotten our freshmen in mm. on our campus. They're kind of been on their own at their own facilities. Um, oh, but our guys in our program, it probably happened eight to 10 years ago with an awesome strength coach and, and the guys, you could just see like the season ended and, and he's calling me and he's like, Tim, you know, sorry about your loss today. Six guys just texted me and wanted to know what time we can get in the weight room tomorrow. That's awesome. It was like, Oh my gosh, here we go. So, um, school's kind of changed how all that works, but we have awesome strength coach and assistant strength coach, but you know, baseball gets a time and you know, whoever. Okay. So there's a strength coach for, for the school, but don't get a specific time. Yeah. Yeah. Like three years ago, we hired a school strength coach before that. It was up to me to fundraise the money to pay a strength coach to come to Moeller. Right. Guys out. And then they're still, they're on board with that, like extra, like you said, your regular B days too. Like they're on that same schedule too, where the strength coach knows, Hey, it's a regular B day. Okay. Yeah. And like, because like some of my juniors and seniors might not be able to do it. Like they might have to, you know, they might have 
a community service project they have to do. They might have to go make up a test. So not all of my guys can go in. Mm-hmm. And so there might be a couple other teams in there. Um, so the strength coach knows on that regular B day, he's going to have 50 guys in there. And it's going to be some baseball guys, lacrosse guys, you know, whatever, yeah. volleyball. Um, so it's good for that part too of those guys mixing with other teams as well. Mm. Wow. Wow. Coach, this has been incredible, man. Like this is I great know. to get a little dive into their program and just doing some really awesome stuff, man. I came with one of 105 kids. That is incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. Right now. That's awesome. Well, coach, was there, is there anything else, man, you think we haven't touched on? You think you might want to dive into it all or anything, man? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, no. we knocked out a fast 75 minutes. Right that was there. a lot. I know, right? I know, right? I looked at the clock. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> it's already, it's already <laughs> know. So uh, let's say somebody wants to dive more into maybe some uh your hitting stuff or whatever you, you know, kind of touch base on. Uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, my email is uh, theld at molar.org. Uh, that's the best way. Um, I'm on Twitter. I think it's just at Tim Held. Uh, at Big Mo Baseball. We're on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, so that's my other piece with my, when I was trying to find my analytics and video guy, none of them were interested in a social media piece. So uh, one, of, one of our teachers' uh, daughters who just graduated from college, she's going to help with some social media stuff. So try and try and take that to another level as well with all the stuff our guys are doing and, yeah. you know, with COVID recruiting and stuff like that. And, you know, we, we've, we've used Huddle for a couple of years now to try and get these guys, get enough video on these guys to put that out. But also, you know, there's more creative people than this, this you know, almost 50-year-old man here. So get them, get somebody with some creative ideas and put some things out there and make sure that Molar Baseball is the place that everybody wants to be at. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to come out. Uh, like I said, then next summer, man. Next summer right. will be the time for us to come out for sure. I'm going to be... Can't wait to see all that, especially with the new field and all. Oh man, that's gonna be awesome. My new home. You might be going bathroom in a porta potty, but we're having turf feet. <laughs> that's right. It's gonna be great, man. It's gonna be great. But hopefully, I'll probably see you. Hopefully, hopefully, let's hope we get another. It's get an ABCA uh, uh, next this coming January. Hopefully, I'll see you. Yeah, it's gotta that. happen. Yeah, it's gotta happen. Other than going to Chicago and freezing. Ooh, yeah, it's so cold done that one before yeah, but after crazy. after having this canceled i don't think anybody will complain no no not at all not <laughs> at all <laughs> well but man this has been incredible i'm really glad to you know we we're able to make it happen and i knew we'd have some great stuff to talk about man but just when the the 108 stuff and uh your base running stuff is great and then just letting know about what it means about big mo player man i think it's important making great people you know and and, and hope and keeping that going man that's a you know, and then you're a great example of that too. So it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Probably the only thing I'd throw in there about like that culture piece is um, at Thanksgiving and Christmas, like how many alums are like, when's the weight room open? When can we come uh, hit? Nice. You know, and, you know, Moeller high school is a private school. So our guys are in all directions from Moeller, yeah. you know, in 30 minutes, some 40 minutes in, in all directions. And they want to come back and be in those cages. They want to see, their teammates, they want to see the guys that, you know, are still in high school that they connected with when they were juniors and seniors. Um, so that part's awesome to hear from them and and how many want to come back. They don't, they don't always lift a whole lot because they're talking, they're catching sure. up, catching up. 
but but that's what, that's what it's about. So um, that that part I know is like where we're we're going in the right direction and building good people and, and everything. Yeah. So, thanks for having me, Trey. Coach Tim Held from Archbishop Moeller, just killing it, having a great conversation. Can't tell you how many great baseball conversations I've had with him. Um, every year at the ABCA, some of the great conversations. And he's a learner, he's a leader, and overall is a great example for his program, for the people in and surrounding him. And um, just uh, loved that he talked about how building competitions, giving external cues through his hitting, getting that hit tracked back in 2014. That's a while ago. I mean, that's early stuff, and they really, really um, bet on um, some a really big piece of equipment that you know now you get you and Dick Sporting Goods, and they're testing bats with hit tracks now and. Uh, but that's something he had in his, in his own program since 2014. And um, just how much, how purposeful they're doing that. And they're creating jobs for people to watch video and, you know, uh, analyze the data that they're getting from the hit tracks and getting from Blast. And, and um, so people can see that what you're, the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. And uh, that's how he's able to, you know, what he talked about blending the old school and new school where it's like, yeah, here's what I'm going to tell you doing, but here's the proof of why. Here's what's showing you why we should be doing those things. And and so the the data just kind of helps prove his points. And it's almost like being a track coach where the stopwatch doesn't lie. And um, here's where you're at. And, uh, you know, just to, to, to know the kind of success they've had and they've really just had their little indoor facility and they just had to – practice on the soccer field until they've gotten to play their games. It really speaks to their creativity, the purposeful work that they're doing. I think one thing's yes, it's tough to coach in the Northeast when you're coaching, you know, trying to coach baseball in spring, but that's where a lot of the coaches are innovators. That's where a lot of the coaches, you see very purposeful work when it comes to a indoor practice because you got to be. You have to spend so much time there. It's part of what you do. So, you know, to just get in the cage, have 10 people, Standing in the line waiting for a co- to hit off the coach being BP, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right, and uh, you just go to a co- uh, coach like Coach Held and you hear hear what he has to say about what you would do in there. Um, they, they wouldn't have the track record they do if they had ten people standing in line waiting for them to hit off the coach. So um, there's a lot of valuable information there, uh, along with oh. Uh, how he discusses his pillars. Um, he's took Eugene Bleeker. If anybody hasn't read the uh, old school versus new school book by Eugene Bleeker at 108 Performance, highly recommend it. It's a game changer. Really make you think things through just differently. Some things you don't have to buy in, but at least it makes you think of like, do I really? Am I really all about this? Um, it's really it causes you to think, and I think that's what books do. They just kind of challenge you, and. Um, you know, I think that just goes to show what he's learning. He's certified in Eugene Bleeker stuff. Went, dove into it, just try to learn more about it. And um, been there 25 years. Been at Muller 25 years. Been 25-year coach. And he's continuing to learn, continue to grow, continue to get better. Uh, his green light system with his base runners and how they're timing timing guys. Again, showing them the data. Here's what it is. Here's what you need to do to get the green light. Um, 
make sure they have a combination between what that means is how long the pitcher takes, how long the catcher takes to throw, how long the pitcher takes to get home, how long the catcher takes to get from catch the ball and throw it to second base. If that time is higher than what it takes you to run from the first to second, you get the green light. So again, but it, it's just the data. It's just them creating it, showing them it's purposeful, showing them that it's here's why you're doing it. So again, if you need to reach out to him in any other way, uh, great man. Uh, can't thank him enough. Really privileged to know Coach Held at Archbishop Moeller. So again, his email is theld, T-H-E-L-D, at Moeller, M-O-E-L-L-E-R dot org. Again, find him on Twitter, at Tim Held, at Big Mo Baseball, Twitter, Instagram. And like I said, he's now got a new job for someone to even do even better job of their social media and and helping them out there. So always continue to get better, which I love about him. And uh, such a great baseball man and great person. So Coach Elkin, thank you enough. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And until next week, keep getting better.